Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. We've got Ryan Bernardoni back in the third chair, and today we are talking big picture 2021 contenders. Do the Celtics qualify? If so, where do they rank? But first, guys, the NBA season is officially over. Uh, B-Rob Ryan, let's congratulate the Miami Heat, your 2020 NBA champions. Um, B-Rob, starts off. Any thoughts on the on the Heat's big big victory? Yeah, it's just you know it's it's funny they're only crowning a champion for the Eastern Conference this year, so <laughs> he just you know really jumped in there. And um, I mean, Rich, I I think we just just start. I mean, Ryan, I'm as a you weren't here for this in real time with Mike, so you'll have to step in for Mike Pina here, just in terms of giving rich um oh he's brian's giving me plenty of shit on, that's true on, he has been going after on, on twitter too so that that's he's, he's stepped in well in that front i mean i think we have to say that really the story of the season is the lakers not making the playoffs it's <laughs> uh nobody saw it coming except for except for rich and and, and, and by the way for a couple weeks in march when they canceled the season and it didn't yeah. like they looked like there were going to be playoffs at all i was actually correct that was prescient <laughs> do do yeah, the lakers- so, so, the Lakers win. Well, Rich, this is your 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 defense here, saying this was an unprecedented situation in the in the bubble. Like, make the case: Do the Lakers win the NBA title if this is a normal season? No, I don't think so. I, I, I'm not even. I, actually, they, they did clinch the playoffs on the last day of the uh, of the real regular <laughs> season, didn't they? So I can't I can't go there. I don't know. All I'm saying is that Giannis was hurt. I mean, my, even if we could st- stick with the reality with the with the finals, you had Miami. You had Bam was a shadow of the player that he was against the Celtics. Obviously Dragic was, I, I, you can make the argument that Dragic probably shouldn't have played at all in that last game. I don't think that he did Miami any favors by, uh, by coming back. It was a, it was a fun story. Like he had his chance to be Willis Reed, but it kind of backfired. It was just a perfect storm for, for, for the Lakers to win this, this, this faux title. Um, and we didn't count on, on the bubble taking its toll on the, on the Clippers the way it did. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time believing that without that long break, you know what I mean, that the Lakers would have been able to step up and win. But what can we do? This is the reality that we're living in. Uh, a lot we have, we have much bigger problems than the Lakers winning the finals, but that's, uh, that's certainly one of them. Yeah, I, don't know. I think it's a, a difficult, it's a difficult argument to make considering that they, you know, they were the, the one seed. But really, when you get down to it, even in the bubble, like, with no Curry, no Durant, they've got two of five, probably the five best players right now. And, and that's hard to overcome. So I think bubble or not, they would have been up there. But 
we all want to believe that they would not have won the title <laughs> had there not been these circumstances. And personally, I think the Celtics would clearly have won it if this had been a regular season that had played up normally. And nobody that, can prove that wrong. That's so. the one thing that one thing we can all agree on. And, and, and let's just say this, even with what happened in the bubble, I know that in the NBA finals, I was looking out in the court in crunch time and the Lakers had Alex Caruso, KCP and Mark Keith Morris on the court. And to me, like you said, they had what to, they had probably the two best players in the league, which, which helps. But other than that, it could have gone wrong. We saw Anthony Davis almost get hurt three or four times in the finals alone. And all that, that, that's all it would have taken to totally have everything crumble. But uh, Look, other than having the two best players, <laughs> nothing else would have worked. But yeah, it turns out LeBron start. It's hard. It turns out LeBron is pretty good, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Like we'll see. Too, when he's, yeah. Someday. <laughs> someday this will end. So looking ahead now, just to, for this, for this podcast, we're just going to take a kind of big picture look at everyone hanging in the 2020 off season, which um, again, we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know a lot of the, you know, civics in terms of like even the salary cap, obviously like how much certain teams are going to be able to add, but there are a lot of big question, uh, big picture questions for all the teams heading into the off season. And, and the Lakers have opened as the, the title favorites as would be expected. Um, I guess the, the good news for them, honestly, guys, like I just look at them, big picture roster wise right now. And they really don't, you know, not only do they have no competition for like another contending team really to, to sign Anthony Davis away from the, not that he'd go anywhere in the first place, but they've got a pretty clean cap sheet going forward and the ability to, to run it back and maybe add a little bit to it. So that's, that's a little, you know, I think they're actually, it's fair to put them in the, you know, the favorite category just based on that right now, since, um, you know, assuming that LeBron continues just not to, not to be more or not to age at all. Yeah, it's hard uh, to get away from the, the, the sort of fact that when LeBron puts these teams together, which is obviously what he does is what he did in Miami and what he did on the way back to, to Cleveland, is that it's actually like the first season isn't when they're at their best because in order to put that team together, you do have to sort of forego some other things. And what happened this year is that a lot of what they had to forego ended up meaning they moved on to a bunch of minimum salary guys who all of them basically worked out in the finals, right? You know, Dwight, I think, got benched for, for game six, but he made an impact, and Rondo obviously made a, a really big impact, and Markeith, they picked up, uh, you know, along the way. But um, you don't have to make those same sacrifices the second year in a lot of cases. Uh, they can choose who they want to bring back on, you know, bird rights or things like that, and then some of the exceptions start to open up. And, and it really is usually the second or third year of this kind of teams built this way where they're at their best. So it's, I think, obvious that they're going to be the favorites because they're the Lakers and because they have LeBron and because that's how betting works. But also uh, it is hard to, hard to see a reason why they would take a step back other than, you know, as, as I think Rich said before, if Anthony Davis turns his ankle at the beginning of the playoffs, that's a different situation, obviously. But uh, in terms of like how the team is structured, we've seen this, the second year, they're going to get better. The third year, people are going to start to go, oh, they kind of got a lot of veterans there, and they traded that draft pick, and what's going to happen the fourth year? It'll The aging stuff will start to catch up, but LeBron will be 40, and he won't really care. He'll be you know, ready to, to do whatever he's going to do into his 40s, um, start looking at what they need to do to get Bronny on the team. <laughs> and uh, and that's when it'll, it'll turn. But, yeah, next year, they're not going to be worse than they were this year unless there's some major injury problem. How, how long will it be until the entire roster is clutch clients? Six months. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you talk about LeBron putting together a team. I think that's where we're headed, right? Where it's, yeah. where it's just Rich Paul 
is in charge of the entire team. Then there's a coup. Well, I mean, <laughs> CAA, CAA runs the, the Knicks now, right? I mean, they've got all their guys there. Like, is, is that where this is going? That the, you have these agencies that basically run sort of AAU teams. It, not really. That's not where it's going to go. But that's the fear in, in some circles. I think that it, it does start to go that way where these super agents become front office guys and they, you know, sort of play their own games with, uh, with the guys that, that they know and, and the agency that they came from. Uh, and in this case, particularly the agency is also functionally run by the, you know, the best player of his generation. It's, it's not a great thing for the league, to be honest. Uh, but if you're a Laker and if you're a clutch client and you want to go win a title and, you know, play in Los Angeles, uh, I guess it seems really good from, from that perspective. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, not the best situation in my opinion. Well, you talk about winning a title in Los Angeles and B-Rub, the, the, next, the next team, we're looking at the odds on betonline.ag, one of, our, one of our great sponsors here. But so the Lakers are four to one right now. And then the Clippers are second at six to one. A couple of big questions there though. I mean, no question. Like you, well, first they got to hire a coach, um, which it sounds like it's, I mean, I've seen Ty Lue is, you know, pretty much right there in the race there, but that's, he's clearly looking out at other options too, potentially in Houston. So it'll be interesting to see where, you know, that eventually lands, but um, they have some big uh, role player free agents, right? And you have Marcus Morris, um, who I feel now, you know, taking that one year deal probably hurts a lot now, especially given what has happened um, with uh, the cap or what will happen with the cap in the NBA right now, but you have, you have him, you have Montrezl Harrell, um, and you have uh, Jermichael Green, who has a player option for $5 million. So he could opt out as well. Yeah, I'm guessing all three of those guys aren't going to be coming back. And given the chemistry issues this team seemed to have in the postseason, I mean, they're obviously hoping that getting rid of Doc will help you know, take care of some of that. But they've got a ton of pressure on them, um, clearly with, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both entering, you know, contract years here. Yeah, that turn at the end of the the Kawhi and, and George, uh, I don't know if it was negotiations or demands, whatever whatever it was, where people were as they go, they only signed for two years. It wasn't wasn't a four year deal with the, the last year in option. It was a three year deal with the last year in option. Like suddenly that you know puts you immediately under a lot of pressure to to get things done. And really similar to what we were talking about with the Lakers, like what they need is for Paul George to play a lot better when the playoffs come around and for he and Kawhi to find some on-court synergy and and for them to feel like it's a must-win season, which apparently this one wasn't, even though uh, it seemed like it was. Um, And yeah, they're going to lose some guys, but some of it, I think they had a few too many cooks in the kitchen to begin with, where like, is it the worst thing in the world to lose Marcus Morris when you already have Kawhi and Paul George. Like he's a helpful player most of the time, but when he's not, he's, he can really not be uh, if he's taking shots from the wrong, you know, the wrong guys. And, and Montrez Harrell, really good regular season player. Some amount of questions about what he can do in the playoffs and in certain matchups. And like, do you want to spend the money there? And that's a guy who is only real value is if he's taking shots. So like, I think there are some possibilities here for like pairing back and focusing the team on what they really are, which is, you know, around these, these two guys and getting guys specifically who fit around that and not just sort of a collection of talent around them. Um, but the, the pressure is going to be enormous on them. And as you said, you know, new coach and, and Rich, I don't know what your thoughts on how things played in, in the playoffs for them, but it just looked like such a mess that it, it could all really implode and, and become a disaster next year. But they're the second favorite for a reason. Like they've got, they've got at least one guy who, you know, can get you there if they can 
get the rest together. It's it's funny how how different the uh, the sort of cultural stuff with Kawhi going from the Raptors to the the Clippers was. Maybe the Clippers are just forever cursed, but. Uh. Uh. Yeah, maybe. Do you, do you guys think? Do you guys think the stars were aligned for the Morris twins to reunite with the Lakers? Maybe. Oof. I mean, that, that would be. I mean, I think Marcus is going to be holding out for more than mid-level money. I don't know if he's going to get it. Um, but who's who's investing big in Marcus Morris? And I have a lot of respect fair. for Marcus Morris. Right? He, he is. He's a pro. Right? He's a guy. He he can if if you can if you can play within himself, which is always the, the question, always the problem. I mean, he is a. I'm not going to call him elite, but he can score. He's tough. Um, you know, not always the best for chemistry. I don't know if it makes it better or worse if he's around his brother. But as we talk about building clutch clients and and all that, that seems. I don't know. For some reason, I could see him if nothing else works out, just wanting that ring with the Lakers. But uh, who do you guys think ends up coaching in the Clippers? I don't. I don't know. Like is. Is Balmer gonna, you know, design and, and unleash some robot coach? Or <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, you have Kawhi, and as long as you keep him healthy, and I do think I don't know. We'll see. I mean, clearly the the bubble life was not, you know, Paul George wasn't doing all right there, and that's one of those things, right? The guy the guy comes out and talks about all the mental health issues he's having in the bubble. That doesn't stop anyone everyone from destroying him. When he doesn't play up to uh, up to par, but I tend to believe, and, and we'll see how 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 normal uh, this season, this next season gets. But if it's a somewhat normal season, I do have faith that Paul George can come back a little bit. And you think that? I mean, Pat Beverly's back, right? Assuming he can be healthy. Um, and as a guy like 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 Zubac, is he he played pretty well in the playoffs? He's probably one of the one of the the, the small bright spots that they had in the playoffs. Yeah, no question. I mean, he was. I think the they were pushing like a lot of Clippers fans were pushing him to play a lot more than Harold because Harold was giving them nothing in that Nugget series. Um, whether he was, you know, and Harold obviously had some off court stuff going on, um, was out of the he bubble COVID, for a while. Right? I think he had COVID, and I think his like yeah. grandmother died, so he was yeah. just out of the bubble for a long time. So it just, I mean, it was a a perfect storm of you know guys just not being you know fully in it for understandable reasons. It seemed like with them. Sweet lose wings. Yeah, sweet lose wings. We already mentioned that. Like one of the challenges there, though, is if they had if they had run into the Lakers, it also sort of would have been a perfect storm for them to get past them because, as I think a lot of people had noticed, like if they met in the playoffs, that's basically seven Lakers home games. In the bubble, it's not. They they had an opportunity there to at least get rid of one of the disadvantages that you saw for them trying to go, you know, to get ahead and to not even get to that matchup and just get wiped out in the way they did, you know, going having what a, a 20 point lead and a three, one series lead. And then like that, <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it was a, a very odd situation for them at the end, but um, I, I don't know that that did seem like an opportunity really, really badly missed there. Uh, but yeah, at, at the same token, like you can't downplay the fact that some guys reacted differently to a, a really awful situation. And, and if that's all it was, and next year they come back and they're in a different state, then they certainly could, uh, you know, hang their own banner. But uh, I don't know. That that was a rough, rough watch at the end. Um, I think that so next the the Warriors are next at seven to one. I think we should skip them just because who knows, right? I I think they're they're we don't know if they're if they're going to keep Wiggins. I don't. Doesn't seem like they're going to. It doesn't make a lot of sense to. Somebody's got to want them. I mean, someone's got to want him right or, and again or be I mean, willing to accept him like that's the problem and you got the number two pick overall which maybe you can entice someone to do it because that's the kind of team maybe 
you know, a, a young shitty team that maybe wants to wants to bring on uh, on Andrew Wiggins if, if it gets them that second pick. Um, but then at the same time, that young shitty team, who are they giving you? Uh, that 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 makes it a a decent trade. But let's let's go to the East. And right now, the best odds to win the title in the East are the Milwaukee Bucks uh, at ten to one. Uh, and B Rob, if, if there's one big question surrounding the Bucks, what is it? Have at it. Throw it out there for us. <laughs> I mean, it's Giannis. It's the the extension will be on the table on the first, you know, probably twelve oh one of a.m. of whenever f- free agency opens up, and I would assume he's not signing it just based off of what how this team ended, and not just that, but also what its future look like looks like right now. Since you look at who's on this roster, their ages, and just how this team fared in the playoffs for or how key players fare in the playoffs for the second straight year or third straight year in the case of like Eric Bledsoe. And it's really hard to find a direct path to this team getting much better than it was at least before the bubble, uh, before the stoppage last year, right? It's like, if you're like, okay, yeah, they can make some trades and upgrade. Like they have the Pacers first round pick, which is in, you know, the mid twenties, but that's it. And then you, you look for anyone of value on this roster and it's like Eric Bledsoe's not getting you anything. Brooke Lopez making, you know, 13 million a year, you know, it's useful, but isn't going to get you anything, you know, substantial. And then everyone else in this team is just, you know, past their prime or, you know, not a difference maker. So um, unless you're Chris Middleton. So I don't really know where they turn to, to try to, you know, make that last case. And if, and maybe they'll have to start listening to trade offers at that point. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem though, there is, it's hard to get better than where they were pre-bubble because they were a 70-win team pre-bubble, and there's only so much growth you can have off that. Like, I think that that 10-to-1 number is, is, at least some of that is people just afraid of, hey, I don't want to put money down on you know on a team and then find out that they traded Giannis or that he didn't sign or whatever happens. Like, if he signs the Supermax, those odds are going to change and get better because then you'll be confident that he's going to be there for the rest of the year, and it, it still is returning what was functionally a 70-win team. Uh, so... I, you know, I can't worry about that too much. Yeah, they should be looking for a better option than than Bledsoe. And, uh, you know, you can, everybody's replayed the Brogdon fiasco, whatever it is, the poor choice and how that's played out. But really, this is not a bad team. Uh, it has, it was a bad playoff team and a bad playoff matchup in a weird environment. But if you ask me like... the bubble though. They were like... Yeah, but if there was no bubble, like if, so... To me, this is the flip side of Miami, right? Like Miami got some obvious major advantages from how things played out. And like if the season had just played out like a regular season and they roll through and they've got 68 or 70 wins or something and they've got home court advantage and they're opening the series against Miami in Milwaukee instead of in, a, you know, uh, on a neutral court with no fans, like that entire series could play out very differently. That's and, a good point. And like from there, who knows what, what happens? And it's just hard for me to think like that this is like a, a – fundamentally flawed team because similar to the to the Clippers like there are extenuating circumstances here that you have to at least consider so I think that they do need to make changes in order to keep Giannis happy long term but it's also like possible that they bring back very similar team maybe they do trade that 24th they could make an upgrade somewhere along the way but right they were a high 60s low 70 win team it's not like they're uh, you know something that's that's broken and and can't be fixed by sort of running it back and it would be nice if they had changed coach in my opinion that may have helped but uh that's i, I think their biggest problem right now 
to be honest. Like he That's a little crazy to me that they didn't make that change. Yeah, not making that change just seems unless Giannis says to them, like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna sign the Supermax and this guy's my coach and I want you to make sure he's still here. And that's fees, I mean it's possible, right? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but like barring something like that, it's just it seemed very strange that that they decided to not make that change now with the situation that they are in with you know with Giannis coming up. But um do we know for sure that they're not? Have they given him the vote of confidence or if they if they aren't, I mean they're the the other good opportunity you know, good options are gonna be drying up pretty soon, including one. I mean, that would have been the job for Doc Rivers, right? Like I know he has his own questions about recent playoff experience, but uh, he's a title winning coach and more importantly from Marquette and a big right. part of that, that market. Like you think that that's who they would have wanted to get, even if they didn't know that, that he and the Clippers were going to, whatever they did, fired part ways, whatever, like when that came down, if they, if they had any thoughts about moving on from, from Budenholz or like, you think maybe that would have been the time to just be like, Hey, by the way, I know we talked and said we were going to go, but actually here's your check, get out. I'm going to go hire Doc Rivers. Uh, and that didn't happen. So I assume that we, that, that Budenholz will be back. Jason Kidd's going to be lying in the weeds somewhere. Ugh, Jason Kidd's going to be lying <laughs> in the weeds at 28 different franchises around. He's constantly in the weeds outside stadiums waiting for his opportunity to strike. Uh, real quick, let's not forget, too, that Giannis could barely walk for the second half of that series as well. Um, that, I mean, that injury turned that, helped turn that series as well. But I agree with you, Ryan. I don't know how much better they necessarily have to be. Uh, they were a pretty damn good team. And if they have that home court advantage next year, you know, I, th- I think it's very fair. It makes sense that, that, that they are the, the favorites in the East. And you, get, you have to imagine in one way or another, they have asked Giannis if Coach Bud is, is his guy. If, if not, it's malpractice, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to ask him. I feel like that should be like, okay, you pick your coach for not pretty much forever, I'd say at this point, in terms of if you're going to sign the extension. Like, well, we do what you want here because – you are our franchise essentially or our future. But we, we know he's, we know he's leaving by the way. Right. And I, and I think, and, and I think that's part of it as well. I mean, I, I, I think that he is, I think that like that, that's the sort of the approach that, that Giannis has taken because we talk about LeBron, right? How LeBron's in there moving the pieces and, and building this team. And I know Giannis has a ways to go maturity wise before he reaches the level of LeBron. But I think to this point, Giannis very tough. He's gonna be like, no, you guys, I'm a player, right? You guys find the coach. I'll listen to the coach. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. You guys are the owners. You guys are general managers. But put me in a position to win. Um, I don't necessarily know if he's been making demands like that quite yet. Um, but it just seems to me that like the stars are aligned for for him to go somewhere else. And I and whether and if I if I was if I were the Bucks, I would I would trade him. I really would. Um, I think the teams historically that wait around and pretend that these guys aren't going to go somewhere else get burnt. Um, but I guess we'll see. This could be my next uh, Lakers are missing the playoffs. I mean, that's uh, assuming that he doesn't sign his sign the the super. Yeah, so you right? I mean, move him this summer, Rich, if he doesn't sign the extension. You're saying, or would you wait till the yeah. season starts? I wouldn't. No, anyway, I, but. yeah, I'd wait to see if I wait to see see if he signs the extension. Obviously, but but if he if he does not, he's leaving. Don't you yeah. think? I, I mean, my problem with that is that this is Milwaukee. Like, when they haven't won a title in, you know, coming up on 50 years. Like, one chance at that, you're, is there any trade you're going to make, especially with the rest of the team that's around him? Like, you can move the other parts, right? You trade Giannis, okay, then you're going to trade Middleton, then maybe you trade Lopez, and, like, you get back a bunch of picks and, and maybe, you know, some good young talent there. But, like, you're going to be so far away from getting back into title convention. Like, is your one chance at it? And even if he walks at the end, you break down the team anyway. And yeah, you're in a much worse spot, but like 
at least you took a chance at it. Otherwise, and, and that's not to say that every franchise operates. Like there are plenty of, plenty of franchises that are not really working to try to win the title, um, particularly in markets like Milwaukee, but like it really has been that long since, since they were able to be in that position and like to just to give that up because it's like, all right, well, we're afraid that he's going to walk at the end and we're going to suck. Like you trade him, you're going to suck as well. It's, um, so I think well, you're not going to be, you're not going to be as good clearly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that breaks your franchise, right? Like if you trade him, then everybody else is like, all right, well, I want out of here too. Is like, I can't imagine anybody wanting to stick around. Now there are trades that you could make that would make for an interesting team. One of them is with the Celtics, right? If you had Chris Middleton and Jalen Brown and Brooke Lopez, like you can make the playoffs in the East maybe, but like, you're not, really going to do anything with that with that team and then the other parts you have that were made for win now again you're going to end up having to trade them or they're going to age out some of them are too expensive and nobody don't really have any value it it's a difficult situation whereas if you just basically say like he says i'm not going to sign this i want to see how things play out you make your one run at it and then you look again next summer and and hope you can sign him at that point Uh, part of the problem with this team is that right now i think they can win but i think beer you were sort of getting to this is that I don't think they have a team that's super well positioned to be winning into Giannis's next contract, like middle of Giannis's next contract. They have no like flexibility in there. They're just going to get older. And some of these guys are at their peaks or, or you know, really be moving fast. And like, I don't expect Dante DiVincenzo to be an all-star in a couple of years. I mean, they just don't have a lot of out cards in that deck for a couple of years down the line. And you don't want to see Giannis on that. I would really like to see him sign and stay because I don't want to see all these teams in these, you know, this type of market just get gutted all the time. But you you kind of fear that even if he does sign the supermax a couple of years from now he's going to get antsy and be like hey there's nothing left here and it's time to move me. and then maybe you trade him when he's got three years left on his contract and you get like the biggest package ever returned in a trade you know it's sort of that type of thing but um right Ledso's 30 yeah like yeah. it's not the ages in this roster are not pretty um beyond Giannis, obviously um yeah That's i mean ron jumps teams right it's because right. You, like we had talked about before you build this team for now and then that age and flexibility starts to dry up and, and LeBron sets himself up where he's always on these short-term contracts and he's got his own agency and he can do whatever he wants. And there's a reason he's changed teams three times. It's, it's not because entirely because as I was wondering part, because it was like, well, this team is, has capped and I want to start somewhere new. And it, you know, it's just sort of worked out that, that coming back to Cleveland was in the middle of it, but you know, there's obviously three team changes there for that pretty much that reason. So let's, move down to the next East favorites. And it's actually pretty much you go on bottom line. There's, they have essentially equal odds to win the East below the bucks for the Celtics nets and heat, Um, which is, I don't know, like who, like rich, who do you think out of that group deserves to be the number two favorite, you know, just at this point and based on what they can do this off season, do the heat, have he earned that at this point or is this, do you kind of view what happened in the bubble with them as, you know, the best case scenario in terms of what they can be? Uh, okay. Before we get to that trifecta, let me tell you guys that the wait is finally over and uh, football is back. Uh, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable uh, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses 
bet online, your online sports book experts. And yeah, I, th- I think Miami earned it. I mean, wh- whether or not it was sort of a fluky run to the finals, I think that they've, they've earned top billing. I mean, the, the Nets certainly haven't, right? I mean, talk about disagree. This, Ooh. Really? Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. You think, sure you think the, Cel- Celtics. The, the Celtics should be ranked ahead of Miami? Yeah. Absolutely. Why is that? Why is that? Because they're better. <laughs> they have a better young player who's getting better, and and they don't have um, the same immediate questions that that need to be answered. Like the the Heat are in kind of a weird position where they have to they they weren't set up to win this year. They were set up to be making a play for Giannis in free agency or some other superstar in in the next free agent class. And like now they have to make decisions about you know if they lose Dragic, then that's a a big change. Like there's quite a few things in there that, that they need to make a decision on how in they are on this exact team versus how much they want to sort of stick to what their original plan was and maybe be looking, you know, a, a year down the line for, for an even bigger play. So it may be that at the end of free agency, we look back and say, okay, well, the Celtics had made those decisions for whatever tax reasons and Miami decided to really run it back. And I'll sort of be more in agreement with that. But at the moment, I think there's significantly more questions around, around that team. And I just think that, the Celtics are probably in total a better team than, than Miami is, even with the changes they made during the, the COVID hiatus. Dragic is coming back, though, isn't he? Yeah, I think what works out well for Miami, I, to, I agree with Ryan, like you, they do have tough decisions now in terms of you know, whether to play more for you know, getting Giannis in 2021 offseason or to try to run back the best again. Dragic and Crowder are their only two major, you know, free agents that were part of the key parts of the rotation. But I do think the, this tight free agent market is going to work pretty well for Miami here to bring those guys back, maybe on just one year deals for a good chunk of change, because, you know, I don't think with so few teams with cap room and then probably even out of those teams, you know, fewer teams wanting to spend, you know, significant money when, you know, probably tons of teams are just bleeding money um, in terms of revenue right now. I think that this helps Miami a lot being like, okay, guys, you know, you know, go through what you can get, but we'll give you, you know, Dragic will bring it back one year, 15 million. Crowder will we'll overpay you a little bit for one year if you want to just, you know, run it back and hit the free agent market. When you guys probably want to hit the free agent market again in a year from now when there's, when there's more money to be had anyway. Uh, I mean, Dragic is, Dragic is 34 and he's at a torn plantar fascia. Like, are we sure that he's not going to want a couple more years somewhere? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, and, who's going mean, to give time, it to him? Like, I don't yeah, think that the I, market's I mean, going to be there. Well, but would you rather have three years at the MLE for a team that's sort of mid-level or, uh, you know, 15 million for one year? I, I think that there's a certain possibility that, that he could go. Some of it comes down to what the cap and tax numbers really are. Like, it's understand we don't have enough information to, to make really right. good projections on some of these things. But there's also, like, last offseason, they were trying to salary dump him. Like, I know he's bonded with his team and had a great – but, like, it's in, it would be entirely reasonable for him to look back and be like, wait, you want to bring me back for one year after what I just went through? you know, with, with this team and, and just look somewhere else and jump. We, and that's my point. Like it's possible that he'll be back on a big one year contract and it will all look exactly like that. But like right at the moment, similar to the, what we were talking about, um, you know, with, uh, with the bucks, like there, are, once we know more, some of these odds are, will, will certainly shift. But at the moment, like, I just think that there's more questions about Miami than there are about the Celtics. And I also think the Celtics were a better regular season team to begin with than, that it being a baseline, if there's any sort of return to normalcy by the end of next season, I just think that they're probably a better team. Also, Jason Tatum is 22 years old and is going to be 
second team all NBA next year. And uh, that's really good to have as a starting point. Only, only second team. There's really good forwards in this league <laughs> um, and uh, it may take him until he's 25 to get first team. But yeah, I think I, I would settle for second team next year. It should have been second team this year. So he starts averaging seven, seven assists a game. Maybe we can get him on there as a guard. I think he was eligible as a guard this year because he guards guards a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so what's the biggest question uh, the Celtics are facing right now? Is it the Gordon issue? The year up? I mean, Gordon issue. Yeah, yeah. Gordon I mean, Gordon. Yeah, I think. I think that's where the offseason I think starts for them in terms of figuring out what Gordon's intentions are. Um, if you want, you have to kind of gauge whether he wants to stay here long term, and you know, he could he could still want to stay in long term, and then the two sides are just too far away on a potential extension for you know that to happen right now and then but if you if he opts in and doesn't really show much interest in you know any kind of extension then uh, then you reach a point where you have to you know consider trade offers for him um and you might not do them you you have to find the ones that make sense um but you can't risk just losing that salary slot entirely um a year from now without any return because you you know you're just not gonna have any way to replace him um given the, the big contracts that you'll that Kemba and Jalen and Tatum will have at that point so Ryan Ryan you can play next year right we're start we're starting next season you can pick one duo you're taking Tatum and Jalen over Jimmy and, and Bam every time just for next season um I, I think it's relatively even um I you know, I think that Taya is probably the best of the four and Jalen's the worst of the four. So, you know, sort of, sort of even, um, I like the rest of the team that's around the Celtics as well. Uh, I just, you know, like I said, I think that they, that they were a better team. Obviously Miami made major changes, making Bam just a full-time center and, and that changes a lot of things. Um, but if you stack up the two teams when they're fully healthy and you're talking about regular season baseline in a regular situation. And that includes fully healthy Kemba and fully healthy Gordon Hayward and, and everybody else. Like, I just think that the Celtics are a better team. Um, and I think we all thought that, you know, not what a month ago, right? Like, um, so the fact that they had a series where they blew some fourth quarter leads and it makes everybody change and think that it was all, you know, all the other way around when they had somebody out there who was like at 60%, you know, and another guy who was out there, maybe 75, 80%. And Tatum may have had some things as well. And it's just like, a lot that went into that. Also, again, in other circumstances, they would add a home court playing on a neutral court. Miami was the, the big winner of all of those sort of weirdness of what the rules were. And I just, six games isn't enough for me to like throw away all my priors, especially six games that played out in kind of odd ways with injuries. And it's just hard for me to, to move off thinking the Celtics are a better team that quickly, just, just off that. And then, like I said, there is some unknown stuff that happens with Miami as well. I think they're both uh, a lot more, reasonable in those spots than, than Brooklyn is with the, the fact that there's just a million unknowns there. Um, even Toronto, uh, maybe in terms of title odds, because they don't have the ultimate upside as, as the Nets. Um, but, you know, in terms of regular season and seeding and things like that, the Nets just have a ton of questions. So I think that those two teams, the Celtics and, and the Heat make sense together. But yeah, I just think the Celtics are a better team still. You're up. Will the Nets have home court advantage in the playoffs next year? <laughs> Uh, no, no, they, I think it's I, like a four, four or five seed. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a four. I think it's a, but given I, tr- if, if Toronto runs it back as much as they can, I, you know, that's like the ultimate, you know, 
dominant regular season team in terms of just winning games that they should. Um, and you can always count on Kyrie to get dinged up for 15, 20 games. And Durant, you know, coming off an Achilles, I'm sure they're going to be very careful with him. Um, and then you have to figure out who is going to be left on this team. And so, I mean, you're looking at them in the big picture, Joe Harris um, is their only, you know, big name free agent um, that's going to be out there, but they already have, you know, close to, I think like around $135 million committed without even signing him yet. And the tax, you know, was, was supposed to be 140. We'll see what it turns into. So they're clearly going to be doing some wheeling and dealing here um, with secondary players. The extensions they signed, like the Torian Prince extension looks terrible now. Um, that's not a, you know, a net positive contract anymore. It's a, you can move it, but you're not going to get anything back useful for it. Uh, Dinwiddie is a good deal. DeAndre Jordan is still a bad deal. Like, I mean, where if you're if you're Sean Marks here, Ryan, like, where do you what do you do with this to to centralize it around Durant and Kyrie, or do you just kind of wait to see what those guys look like first before you do anything big? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably where to start. The real answer is that you do whatever they tell you to do. (laughs) They've given the franchise over to them, right? Like they well, they're coaching, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, well, they are, right? They're part of the three headed coaching monster, and they've defined last year who you know who their inner circle was right joe harris was not part of the guys who they sort of uh, he, he wasn't at the level of garrett temple in terms of uh who they they identified as being core players um and they deandre or deandre jordan was and jared allen wasn't and some of that's just talk but we've learned i think over the years that when Kyrie says things that seem sort of off the cuff and then everybody goes oh don't worry he didn't mean anything by it It was just off the cuff and then it turns out that they're always like actually true and these reminds are, you reminds <laughs> you of someone doesn't it Kyrie reminds me of Kyrie. But <laughs> oh, no, I say it reminds me of the, it's reminiscent of the president a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I go that far, but because uh, <laughs> Kyrie, well, I guess my point, Kyrie, though, is usually, he's often telling the truth when it seems like it's not, whereas the president is the other way around, maybe. But um, so you wonder, like, really, who is part of sort of their group? And we talked about Clutch and, and LeBron running a team, and I, made comment about the Nets or the Knicks being run by an agency and like I KD and Kyrie don't have an agency but they have agency right in in determining where this team goes and I think that's a lot of it um but as much as any team this also is going to come down to like budget questions and and as had been mentioned you know what exactly the model is for doing the luxury tax uh because there is a lot of money at stake there Prince is a player who I assume they're going to have to find some way to move do they have to include you know, a pick is they, do they get back a worse pick? There's all that kind of stuff that goes into it. Um, he's not a particularly good player, but he is still the type of player that teams can look at and be like, Oh, well, we need somebody who's six, seven and can possibly pretend to defend guys who are big wings. And like, there might be some team that talks themselves into it, but with so little cap space around, there's not like a ton of places for him to land. And do you have to move Jared Allen in order to move Tory and Prince? And there's all these things that sort of get into the, the shuffle uh, and so I think the default position is sort of where you, where you go back to and say, like, we got to make sure that KD is coming back from an Achilles is in a, and is okay. And that Kyrie doesn't immediately get injured again, like he has for the last, his entire life since college. Like, um, so probably a little bit stuck in the mud on that, but, uh, it's a weird team. It's a weird situation. <laughs> the whole thing is just odd and hard to predict. And then maybe Durant comes out and is, you know, He's uh, Brianna Stewart, and the Achilles doesn't matter at all, and he's the 
scoring 40 points in the in the finals or something, but it, it doesn't seem all that likely to me. Uh, I will say that, that Prince is one of those guys, and I know you can say this about most players, is that they get better when they're surrounded by better players. But if he is out there and if he can sort of redefine himself a little bit and somehow can just be the fifth best player on a starting five, he's and can so just... Bad. He's, so, he's so bad defensively. Like, he looks like he should be good uh-huh. defensively, and he's so bad defensively. Like They desperately need somebody who can guard because Durant's not going to take that job, right? And it's like, he just seems like the kind of guy who you rely on because he looks the part and because they have no other option for that. And then he just sort of constantly is letting them down. And is it, and is it like, an, is it, and when you say not good defensively for me, I always wonder, is that like an effort thing or is he just doesn't understand the, the game plan? He doesn't, he doesn't understand defense. You know what it is. Seems like an awareness thing. Um, just from, I haven't watched him a ton on defense, but that's, you know, when, even back when he was with like the Hawks and stuff, he'd always be like, he'd be out to lunch a little bit too much. Like it remind me of remind me of like Jalen early in his career, essentially on defense at times. I don't think he's the most. I don't think he has great footwork. I don't think he's the most agile defender. And a lot of guys who are that size aren't. But you know, he's you need him to to be a really high level defender. And between yeah, the sort of flightiness and the fact that I don't think his physical tools are, are all that great, other than that he's strong and has tall and long arms, which gets you a decent way at defending on the wing. But like he's not. A, I don't think he's a great technician as a defender either. And you put those together and it's just like, yeah, again, I mean, he, he looks, he looks like he should be. And he's, I think that's why he was drafted where he was and why he's got the money that he was. But I just think it's such a weak link at the end. And when you get to the playoffs, it's like, okay, so we, they've got Irving and Prince and Durant and 40 year old DeAndre Jordan on the floor. Like, are they really going to stop anybody? Um, I think that's pretty clearly a no, unless they, they make some other change to, to resolve that. Uh, or if they just play Jared Allen more, who is a good defender and, you know, sort of lean into it with some of the younger players they have and, and not the, the inner circle guys from, for Irving. But um, I don't know. That seems unlikely. It's just from what we know about, about Katie and Kyrie to begin with. And let's just say Karis Levert. We haven't, we haven't spoken about him. He's a, he's a regard, you know, we'll see what, what they do with them either. I, yeah. what, who can you, what kind of names can they find? Let's say they decide to package some of these younger guys, you know, whether it's Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, are there any names, any targets that we, that, that we see that make sense? Honestly, it's, it's, it's hard because anyone who would really add something is not, I don't think, going to be available. Like, I don't think the talent left – I mean, the Bradley Beal rumors have been out there forever, but I don't think Lavert and – I mean, Lavert, Allen, and some, like – you know, Prince obviously is going to be a net negative. Maybe if you package a bunch of picks with those guys, that gets it done. But beyond that, like, as far as, like, a good defensive fit with them, since that's obviously what you need the most um, when you have to, you know, sh- shoot first guys like that, like, I, I don't see an easy, you know, answer for them that, that could be out there. Yeah, he's such a weird player. Like, Levert is – obviously there's going to be diminishing returns when you play him with, with Kyrie and KD because – He's an on-ball scorer, sort of. It's not like entirely an isolation play, but he's not a floor spacer. He's not a great defender. You're gonna have that problem no matter, no matter where you trade him to. So, like, good teams are gonna have that same issue. So, bad teams maybe with where is you know he's already established on a contract. Like, maybe he's not exactly what some of the teams that aren't so good are looking at. So, like, you're sort of almost looking at teams like in the middle team, sort of where the Celtics were when they traded for Isaiah Thomas, right? Like ready to take a step forward we don't really know what it is and like there's just those teams aren't in a position to send back players who are ready to be 
you know, major contributors on a potential you know, title contending team. Uh, so I'm sure there's somebody out there who the Nets fans have looked at and be like, that's the guy, we got to go get that guy. Or there's a couple of them and maybe some of them do make sense, but like, there's nobody, same, there's nobody who jumps to mind for that because he is just such a, he's kind of just a weird player. Levert, I mean. Right. And it's to, to close our talk about the East here, it's funny to look at the, you know, the big picture odds and notice that the Sixers are even below, like they're below teams like the Raptors, the Mavs, the Rockets, and the Nuggets um, as title favorites this, you know, heading into this offseason, 25 to one. Um, I think it's just, even with, you know, you have the the hope bridge that, you know, Doc can come in there and, you know, breathe life into MB into scaring him to get into shape um, or better shape and, you know, get Ben Simmons to take threes and, you know, use that card. But it's clear now that they're, that's their only card here because they obviously screwed themselves with these deals last offseason. Yeah, I was saying even the best case scenario, let's, let, let's say that happens and Bean gets in shape, Simmons starts shooting threes. Yeah, sure, that, that is a much scarier version of Philly, certainly than what the Celtics swept in the bubble. But they still have a lot of holes. You know, they're, they're still, that's still not necessarily a championship team. That's, that, 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 that feels like the, uh, the Sixers of two years ago, right? When they were still right. on, the, on, on, on the up and up. They're, st- they're still potentially trying to reach their, their ceiling, but they're not really any closer to being a championship team. Maybe as individuals, they can become better players. But as a unit, it's still just so disjointed. Yeah, maybe Doc can do it for one year, bring them together. Like, he, he has a track record. Oh, certainly, you know, he did it with the Celtics. You know, that, that's one thing that, that uh, people uh, – sorry, somebody, someone just tried to break into my house, I think. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he pulled off that championship in, 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 in 08 in, in one year. Like that's that's not easy to do. So maybe he can do it, but I, I my my hopes are not high, and clearly clearly Vegas agrees. Yeah, I mean, my problem with the 76ers is the same that it's been for a couple of years. And I know that this is maybe a minority opinion uh, in terms of MVP, but like I think their problem is that you don't win the title when your best player is the like the 12th best player in the league, right? Doc Doc was able to do it with the Celtics because KG was like the best player in the league, right? He was one of at least you know in the top five, and I just don't think Embiid is is good enough. For that i don't think he's good enough to be the best player on a on a title team and he's not super young at this point it's not like he's 22 year old jason tatum uh, and so maybe he goes from being the 12th best player to the eighth or ninth best player but like the reality of the nba is still titles go to teams that have one of the three four best players in the league basically every you know eight out of every 10 years or something like that and and that's just my problem with the 76ers from the beginning it's just you aren't going to win a title with a post-up center who turns the ball over a decent amount and uh, is not, you know, he's not a hyper efficient scorer. He's a, he's an efficient post scorer, but it's just the way the math works. Like he's not a good enough offensive player to build around as a defensive player. We've seen year after year in the playoffs, he's a very impressive defender, but there are ways to attack him, especially over seven game series that you learn. And like, that's ultimately what it just comes down to is all the other problems they have with the structure of their salary cap and Ben Simmons won't shoot and things like that. It's like, yeah, you just don't have a good enough best player to, to be that team. And, so I don't really worry about them <laughs> and I haven't haven't for a couple of years um, because of that reason. I just, I don't know. There's all the their two best players still don't fit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Even if they did, I think you would potentially run into that problem. So even if Ben Simmons does start to shoot threes with some amount of volume and things look a little bit better and doc can come in and win, I think in the end, 
maybe you get to the conference finals, maybe you even make it to the finals. It's just, there aren't many title teams where it's like, Oh, you have your best guy is like not an MVP candidate. Uh, and we can talk about this down the line, right? That's why the Celtics season was a success this year, even with the way it ended is because Jason Tatum looks like he might be a future MVP candidate. And I don't think you can say the same thing about the 76ers, which is troubling when your best player is already whatever, 25, 25, 26 years old, something like that. And 26. Yeah. So at the time when he would need to be there in order for that to be the case. So I think it's reasonable that the 76ers title odds are not great. Even if I might, you know, come regular season, you might look at their over-unders and think that they're a little uh, low on that front. But in terms of title stuff, like I think that's just their problem if you're trying to win a title. 60 million for Al Horford and Tobias Harris doesn't help either next year. That's not um, great. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll wrap things up there. Just a, a good first picture look at, or first look at where everyone kind of stands hanging this off season. It will be interesting to see how, again, what, you know, the moves there's going to be, I think there's going to be a pretty active off season for most of these teams, to be honest, given, you know, um, the salary implications and then the urgency to win now for some of these teams. So it should be a fun next couple of months. We'll obviously be on top of it all here at the winning place pod. Um, hit us up at winning place pod on Twitter. Uh, you can get Ryan at danger cart on Twitter, rich at un- rich underscore Levine. Um, and we will be back with you guys uh, later this week and to take a bigger picture look at where the Celtics stand and, um, and some of their big offseason questions.